what I'm going to get to, I'm going to Quentin Tarantino us. I'm going to tell you the story, and then I'm going to go all the way back and say, here's where prayer leads to this type of thing happening. Today is National Orphan Day. Everyone say, yes, yes, National Orphan Day, because Jesus loves widows and orphans and caring for the poor. Um, on this day, at this chapel family, during the first service, there were two families that lead two lives that are separate. But both of these families love caring for orphans. They love taking in kids who don't have a home or have been taken from their family because of abuse or abandonment or neglect. And, and in these two families taking in kids, um, one family took in a child and another family took in a child. Uh, unbeknownst to either child and either family, they brought their children here for the first service this morning. And in the Sunday school hallway, two sisters who had just been separated from one another were reunited. And they cried and held each other and hugged each other on National Freaking Orphan Sunday. So if God doesn't love us the most, I don't know who else. If he loves another church more than that, I double-dog dare another church to come up with a more sweet story. There is no church that's doing more ahs than our church this morning. I don't care if triplets who look like Brangelina were born, we get more ahs for what happened back there. And it was amazing. And it was flustering, like, like, what do we do? Because now they, they had to go home, but that's like, but, but they got this moment. And it seemed to me that the girls were okay, and I was so excited. I'm so pumped. And now, how do we get to moments like that where God's presence is so thick we can just walk through it? And, and God loves me. He knows I love rain. So while you guys were coming in here and singing, it was sprinkling, and it just started pouring. But I love rain. For me, rain, like, leads me to love God more. So I just walked outside. So I'm not this sweaty. If you see weird stains, it's, it's actually the fact that I just went outside and said, God, you love me so much that you would, on Orphan Sunday, bring together these two girls so that they can hug and cry and hold each other after having been separated. And then you send rain. And then now I've got to preach this sermon that the first service was the most somber sermon. I'm using air quotes because I don't like that person. The most somber sermon. And now I'm so happy but it's still a sermon that I think we need to hear. And, uh, and it started with me watching the news after having prepared a sermon. Never watch the news, you guys. <laughs> no, just kidding. I, I watch news every day. I read right-leaning and left-leaning stuff because I want to make sure that I'm thinking as critically as possible and my brain is turned on when thinking about matters of faith and how they collide with the real world. But we're going to read Psalm 24, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to talk about thoughts and prayers. Um, so if you want to, you can close your eyes and listen, or you can follow along in Psalm 24. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll go back to the beginning. Psalm 24, a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's go to him in prayer.
Father, we, we come to you today as a church family, Lord, and, and that, you would, that you would give us such an amazing story and, and a gift of encouragement and restoration and a little taste of heaven today on Orphan Sunday that two sisters would have a moment to reunite and hug and embrace. Lord, I pray for their, their family situation that whatever is going on, that you would bring your spirit into that family powerfully, that you would bring your presence into the midst of their pain so that they could find restoration and healing and hope again. And Lord, that, that this reunification of, of the girls in a Sunday school hallway, that it would just be a foreshadow of the reunification of their earthly family, and that would be a foreshadow of us being in your forever family. And Lord, today now I pray that you would with all of your might and wisdom and power and presence, that you would speak through your word, that you would remove my words from me and that your words would flow out and that we would be a people convicted and convinced and compelled to run to you in prayer, even when people say that prayer does not work or does not do enough. Be our father today. Thank you for being our loving dad this morning. Show up in a miraculous way in this service, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if it happened like that again, the second service, I would just go home in a puddle of tears. So as I'm watching the news, I'm reading this sermon, which was originally titled A Glorious King for a Glorious Life. I just titled it something, and this is me poking at news. I named it Thoughts and Prayers because I read some uh, articles this week and I watched some news anchors this week that said, Thoughts and prayers are not enough anymore. We must have policies. We must legislate something to bring about lasting change. Thoughts and prayers won't cut it. And we've all known that something is wrong in our culture, right? Like, I don't have to go back far. The, the reason this week partially was hard for me is because I just kept thinking about a church that was doing what we were doing and what we just did. They're singing and praying and learning from God's word, and somebody came in and killed them. And... And it's sad for me. My heart breaks because I have these calluses that are just getting harder and harder and harder around my heart. And it's almost like when a shooting happens, and I, don't hear me wrong, I hate this about my brain. But the first thing that happens to my logical brain is I think, huh, I wonder if it was a radical Muslim, a crazy white guy, or some racist thing. Before I do anything, my heart is so hard, and I don't want it to be hard. I, I want us today to learn what it means to lift up our heads, to open our gates, to open our eyes, to lift them up, to see what is true and right and good, because I think the political pundits, and I think that the, the concept that prayers don't work or prayers aren't enough, I'm not sure that they're praying the way that the Bible talks about prayer. I'm not sure that they're approaching God as anything other than a cosmic gumball machine. God, I want pink quarter in, turn, get pink. I don't think that that's what prayer is for. Otherwise, every one of us in here would have a winning lottery ticket, right? Every one of us in here would have a spouse who was molded in our image. Every one of us here would have children who never disobey or disappoint if God was just a cosmic gumball machine. So, so here's what we have to understand first before we get to the part about prayer. Um, the shooting happened in Texas, and, and, and people said, see, they were praying, and the shooting still happened. So if, if they were praying and God honors prayer, then why would the shooting happen? Well, because God isn't a genie. He's not Aladdin's lamp. He doesn't work that way. Is God good and loving? 
I believe so. I believe the Bible teaches this. Why do bad things happen? Literally one of the oldest questions in all of religion, not just Christianity, every major world religion has tried to deal with, grapple with, wrestle with this topic. And and here's the only thing that I'm going to be able to say today. And if you want to talk offline about this, if you have deeper questions, um, you can you can text my number and say, hey, I want to go out. I want to go to coffee. I want to grab a a pint of non-alcoholic beer. And we will talk about these questions because I don't want to just give you pat answers. But here's what I do want to say. When David approaches God in prayer, he says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded upon it the seas and established upon the rivers. God himself has established everything that we see. There is not a sparrow on any branch where God is not watching it. No sparrow has fallen off the branch from a nine-year-old's BB gun that God didn't know about. God knows every heartbeat that you've had. He knows every heartbeat you have left. God knows every hair on your head and my head. God knows the hairs that are falling out right now. I was talking with a young lady in the hallway after service because I told this orphan story about 100 times to everybody that was back there. And and this girl was out there. She was doing this with her hair. And and I didn't, I mean, it's crazy how much hair women lose and that you all still have hair left, right? If I don't touch my hair, because if I do, I'm afraid my receding hairline will begin to show more and more. But there was this girl back there just pulling hair out of her head right after my sermon. And I was sitting there, worshiping, thinking, this is amazing. God is so smart. God knows how many hairs are in the drain of my shower at home right now. And we forget this. We think that God is just so far and distant that he doesn't know these things. We think that God is so disconnected from our problems that he doesn't have the time to be there when you're going in for a difficult thing. We forget that God is not like us. God knows every giant creature and where it is tracking in the world today. God knows where every single microscopic killer virus is making its way in rivers and bloodstreams around the world. God knows not only how many hairs are on your head, but how many leaves are in the trees, how many stars are in the sky. God knows when stars blew up. God knows when stars will blow up. God knows when the earth will end. God knows every single thing, not just physiological things. He knows every emotion, every bent, every desire that you have, whether good or bad, whether pure or not. This picture of God is who we pray to. It's not God who we rub the lamp and he pops out and we say, God, I want this. And when he doesn't give it, we say, why not? But we all do it. I do it. I prayed and pray every time that something tragic happens. Every time there's a shooting, I'm praying. Every time I'm hanging out with, with my friends, the, the friends who foster the kids here, I, I, hang, I see them on end zone soccer days or whatever day, and I see them, and they say, hey, this is so-and-so, we're fostering them. When I walk away from that conversation, I pray that God would restore the families. God doesn't always answer my prayers. I don't always know why, but I do know that looking back, I'm thankful often that he doesn't always answer them. He is God and I am not. His ways are not my ways. My ways are not his ways. And, and this is what it, it leads us to ask the question. If God is this big, David says, well, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can go up into God's temple, into God's presence? Who gets to go talk to this God who does all these things, who controls all these aspects of nature and creation and emotion? And David said, it's, it's he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, don't be confused. David 
thought and constantly reiterated that he was a person who was clean before God. David, the giant killer, the hero of Israel, the great king. David, the adulterer. David, who literally could not control his hormones when he saw a girl bathing on a roof. And then he slept with her and then killed her husband. This is the same David who says, what it takes to be connected to God, to go up to him, to commune with him, to be in his presence, you got to be pure. I, I don't know that David would be unlike some people that we meet today. Uh, they just seem delusional. You walk up to someone and they say something and, you, and you just wonder, I wonder if they believe the own garbaggio coming out of their mouthio. I think that sometimes, oftentimes, because like the rest of us, I am the most right person in this room. I'm not the most right person to you. You are the most right person to you, which is why we argue and fight. But here's, here's who can go up to the Lord. Someone who has clean hands and a pure heart. And in the Psalms, you always want to read the Psalms one line, and that's why in your Bible they're broken up differently than other books of the Bible. There's, there's more lines. The, the author hit enter more times because you look at that. Okay, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. So then ask, how do I have clear hands and a pure heart? Read the very next line underneath in your Bible. It's the person who does not lift up his soul to what is false. We all lift up our souls to something. We all do it. Whether you're an atheist or the most devout follower of Jesus or, or whatever you are a practitioner of, the human heart lifts up its soul to something. We look up to something to give us hope, meaning, or purpose. Every one of us do it. And to have a pure heart and clean hands, it has to involve us lifting up our souls not to what is false, but to what is true. Which is why the more I read these things and people were bashing on thoughts and prayers, they can bash on thoughts all they want. Like, I love thinking. I think thoughts are important. But when you start bashing on prayers as a pastor, I kind of get ruffled up like a mama hen. I'm like, oh, no, you didn't, newscaster. That's my domain. And then I go blog about it, and then they delete the blog. And then I blog about it again and delete the blog because I'm supposed to be a kind human. So I, I ask, what does it mean to lift up our soul to what is true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. How do we lift up our soul to him? And here's where I think we get some things with prayer wrong. And we're, and we're going to pray today a little bit um, during the sermon. And it's going to be a short sermon. Those are promises that pastors never keep, okay? Um, what we need to do is understand that, that prayer isn't just about changing and getting what we want from God. It's about us tuning into God's presence. And some of us have not talked to God in so long that if we cracked our lips to speak to him today, it would be like talking to a friend who we lost touch with. But I don't want that to discourage you. We need to begin to lift up our soul to what is true. We need to receive from God as we do this. We lift up. And then he bestows and gives. And the best gift he can give to you is not money, is not happiness in this temporary plane of existence. It is not perfect health. The best gift that God can give to you is himself. So, so here's where prayer changes people. Um, and, and the reason I believe that prayer changes people isn't just an emotive belief for me. It's, it's I've seen this happen. It's happened in me. 
where the track of my life um, had gone down twists and turns, and prayer changed me. And it wasn't because God sprinkled magic pixie dust on me. It's that when we draw near to God, the Bible says what? He draws near to us. So when we put out the frequency tuners, we are more likely to pick up God's presence. And this is no joke. One of our guitarists, not, not the one playing today, um, texted me yesterday because they're selling stuff and giving stuff away. And, um, and this was like a, a blonde moment for Ryan. He said, hey, I've got this old FM stereo tuner. Do you want it or does the chapel need it? And this is literally what I wrote back because it's been so long since I've used one of these. I'm like, what all does that thing do again? Like, does it just do radio? Because I had forgotten that there were once devices that weighed as much as a fireplace and their sole purpose was doing radio tuning. The same thing I do on my phone with a pair of headphones now. It was cute to me. But I thought, oh, maybe I'm supposed to use that. The fact that we were so prone to tune into ourselves first and God second, that we lift up our souls to anything else but God, and then we wonder why prayer, quote, doesn't work. Because prayer, while it can change and does change others, primarily begins change within us. Prayer is the physical act showing off our dependence that we are a creation and he is a creator that he is the provider and we are the providees. Prayer is us saying, I need you, God, because these other things won't solve my issues. You cannot legislate morality in our country. It doesn't matter, uh, and, and I'm, not taking, I'm not picking a, a bone in the fight of guns, no guns. All I know is that here in Florida, if somebody broke in and was like coming after me, I'm 99% sure that uh, one of you would probably have some sort of bazooka in your pant leg and blow me and the guy up, okay? Because we're in Florida. I know this is a thing, but but what I, I do want to say is this. like I, As a person, I'm not picking a, a, a side in this fight. I'm just saying, are we, are we willing to ask honest questions in regards to what God can do and will do? And if you don't think prayer works, then I will guarantee you prayer will not work for you. If you think that policies will save you, if you think that legislation will save this country, you're abysmally wrong. You can read a history book and see that we can try to legislate morality into our culture. And, and I don't think that it's a neither good or bad thing. Like I would love it if there were uh, less what I consider bad things and more good things legislated. But, but laws don't change a human heart. There's only one thing that I know of that can change a human heart. And that is the external force of something coming in and colliding with your soul, with your mind. So here's what David says. Lift up your eyes to what is true, and then you will receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from God. Such is the generation who seek him. Have we sought after God in prayer? Christians, I, I'm not sure that we're super great at prayer because prayer is one of those disciplines that feels distant. I'm going to let you know, when I pray sometimes, it feels like my words bounce off the wall and come back to me or bounce off my windshield and come back to me. When I pray sometimes, I wonder if God's there. Good news, when the psalmist prayed sometimes, they wondered if God was there. They said, God, where are you? God, your presence is far from me. The thing that psalmists have on us is that they were honest about their struggles with God when they talked to him, and oftentimes we are not. So I, I want us this week to make space for God, to not look at prayer as as us just asking God for these cosmic divine favors, 
but to say, I'm going to make prayer about me being with God, about me tuning in, about me being near God. When Jesus went alone, the only thing Jesus went alone to do is to pray. He said, I went up the mountain to be alone and pray to his father. Everything else he did with other people, but prayer, he connected with God, and he also prayed with his disciples, but he connected with God by himself regularly. So here's what I do, and I think um, if you've never prayed, uh, I decided last sermon that this week I'm just going to be releasing a couple of YouTube videos, probably one video a day is all I'm going to commit to for right now, um, just talking about prayer, tips on how to pray, what to pray, what I do when I pray, what others do when they pray, and I'll put them on the chapel website, I'll post them on the chapel Facebook page, so if you want to learn more how to pray, but, but here's one of the things that, that I do, and I, did this, I do this myself. And this is when I disciple teenagers, when I was a youth pastor, I would make them all do it, and they thought it was hilariously fun. When I tell adults to do this, they think, don't be crazy, this looks foolish. So 1998, um, young Ryan, learning how to pray, didn't grow up in church, so all I thought was, Jesus is real, and he wants to walk with me, and I want to walk with him. So if this is a sidewalk right here, this is how I would pray. I wouldn't walk down the middle of the sidewalk and pray. I'd say, okay, I'm leaving room for Jesus, and I'd walk and pray. And I would talk out loud. Now, that may not seem weird to you now, because now Bluetooth exists. In 1998, I looked like a crazy hobo, okay? This is what that was. A giant six-foot-six man walking down the street, oftentimes with a book, because this was before we had fake Bibles on our phones, just walking around praying, and I'd read, and I'd always be on one side. And, um, and if there was a tree branch, and this is how legit crazy I get. And you may think I'm crazy. It's okay. I probably am. My wife will agree. Um, if there's a tree branch, and I had to stop, I'd be like, okay, you, you know, you go, and then I'll go around you. Because I wanted to be in the presence of God. Now, I don't think it's magic, but I think that making that space in my mind of thinking, okay, if I believe that God is with me, for me, as a, as a person who likes to picture things, I needed to create a space for Jesus to walk. And sometimes I didn't say much to him. Sometimes I've screamed and cried. This week after the shooting, I, I just was sort of beside myself. That's kind of what put me into a funk this week. I thought, why again? Why again did this thing happen? And why is my heart getting harder and harder and harder? Why am I getting mad when people bash thoughts and prayers? And here's where, where it came down to for me. I believe that if we as individuals pursued the presence of God, a lot would change. And I don't just mean clasp your hands and say a prayer. I, I mean, some of us just need to become reacquainted with God as an intimate, loving dad. And we don't think that we can for various reasons, for past sins, for current struggles, for addictions, for pain. Whatever it is, we've, we've put God too far out of reach for us, and we don't think that if we went to him now, he would receive us. So, so we're going to do something. Um, because in this verse, in, in verse uh, 6 here, it says, Selah. And it's translated here, um, and it just means pause and think about it. So I'm going to give you a chance to say hi to our dad. And I want you to pray, and I want you if, you, if you haven't been praying for a while, or if your prayers have been only to ask God for favors, I just want you to remember that you're praying to this God who is in control and holds all things in his power and plan. And that same God intimately loves you and is pursuing you and can do so because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So if you have sin in your life, and we all do, we all bring our mess here, 
But the moment you go to God in prayer, you can leave your shame and your sin for things you did here today, for things you sinned in the parking lot, for things you sinned this morning or last night, whatever it is, leave those things here. And I want you to connect with God and simply ask him this week to draw near to you. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds and then I'm going to pray and then we're going to keep going. Um, and if, Corey, we could do the same thing we did last service, that'd be awesome, man. And just keep that music going, um, even when, when we come out of it. So let's take a moment to pray and try to connect with God's presence and ask him to come near. Father, we draw near to you because this world needs prayer. God, we need, we need to call out to you as individuals so that we can be in your presence, not for your favors, but for your presence, not for, not for what you give us, but for what you already gave on the cross. Help us to be filled. Help us to hunger in prayer. God, drive us to our knees in prayer God, lead us to places where our heart longs to sing to you in prayer. And God, pull away the things that our soul turns to as distractions. God, for me, pull away uh, the books and the time that I spend needlessly when I'm lacking in prayer. God, give us a vision and a hope to cling to you, to hold on to you, to be near you, and help us to be changed by you in such a way that our neighbors are changed. Help us to be a people of prayer who reach out a hand to pray for people every time we see a need and help us to be marked by your radical love. Okay, church, I want us to read this. I'm going to read the last portion of this psalm again. I just want you to listen with your eyes closed or open, whatever you do, because here's the instructions on how we pray. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. We in the New Testament era know that the King of glory is Jesus. All we have to do, our only role to play, is to lift up our heads to God. That's it. God will fight for us. God stands in front of us. God will be behind us. It says he is the Lord strong and mighty. He is mighty in battle. We don't need to fight with angry words and blogs. We need to fight with prayer on our knees for our families, for our spouse, for our country, for our city. 
We don't need to only be a part of grassroots things. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't get involved. What I am saying is be in the presence of God before you do any of those things. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth. I believe that if we become a praying church, then, then these things that we handed out last week, then, then we win the bet that I made with God. That God, if we could get a whole church family to live a life that is radically committed to prayer and love, we would see restoration that hell cannot touch on this world. The reason I have this is because I need something physical to put on my dashboard. I need something physical to put on my desk. I need something physical to carry in my pocket, to put in my wallet, to remind me that there's a, a presence of God and I hold it and I cling on to this. I pray that we would all learn to cling on to God in a way that shapes us in a way that changes us. Man, that song was intense. You guys, this isn't a game anymore. We've just got to pray. It's this morning um, when those two orphans came up and I started hearing the story. If you guys would have seen me, you would have known, or some of you that did see me, I was ridiculous. Um, do you remember when Ace Ventura got shot in Pet Detective? And he was going, yeah! I was back there terrifying two foster care girls and pretty much everyone else in the hallway. New visitors had just seen me preach like this depressing sermon about praying and being in God's presence, which I think is magical and amazing as a pastor. But then I went back there and I just exploded. That's the taste of heaven that, that we can bring, but I think only by prayer. Foster care is good, and we're going to show you a video of why you should get involved and how you can do it soon. Politics and getting involved in helping the community in practical ways are good, but if you're far from the presence of God, what are you bringing and offering into those realms of industry? If you're far from the presence of God, your teaching, if you're a teacher, will look different. Your writing, if you're a writer, will look different. Your musicianship will look different. But if you are soaked and saturated with the presence of God, you bring something beautiful, divine, and cosmic into every conversation you enter in. Let's pray, and then we will uh, take our offering. Father in heaven, you are good, and I don't understand all of your ways, but I do know that you call us to lift up our heads and eyes to you, the maker of heaven and earth. You call us to turn to you, and then you will shower down blessings that you will pour upon us righteousness and it is not because of our goodness but because of yours so god today we leave everything at the cross so that when we leave here today we can go out and pray knowing that you love us because jesus died for everything that was between us so god take all of our addiction take all of our sin take all of our shame and god we leave it here so that today you can be our dad and we can walk on our block and pray and know how deeply in love with us you are and may we fall deeply in love with you in jesus name we pray amen it says it's on is it
as we continue our worship this morning. Psalms talks about the, the praise and entering God's house for thanksgiving and the joy that we have and to be thankful about what God has already done in our lives. And we get an opportunity to continue that now in worship. I'm going to call our host forward, if you would, please. pray together this morning. Father God, you are awesome and you are holy. And we do worship and honor you. And Father, we bring these gifts into the storehouse. Father, give us wisdom, Father, to use this to reach around not only our community, not only the region, but around the world. But God, most of all, give us wisdom to begin here in our own homes with prayer and thankfulness to you. For it's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus we ask. Amen. Uh, we are going to show a quick video today because, like I mentioned earlier, today is National Orphan Sunday, um, where churches across the nation are promoting, celebrating, trying to encourage us to help orphans. This includes foster care, adoption, etc. And one of my prayers was answered. Since I've lived here for um, two and a half years, I've always wanted pastors to get together and that we would like each other. Um, as pastors, we are, many of us are addicted to castle building and not kingdom building, which is why I like giving stuff away to other churches to prove to pastors that I'm nice. Um, and a group of us got together because of Door of Hope, this organization that brought us together, and they're going to come up and share in a minute. But we made this video, so please take a moment to watch us as the baskets go around. heart to share with you today. In our own backyard, I'm talking about Pinellas County, Pasco County, and Hillsborough County. There are children being removed every single day. Last month, 270 children. 270 children being taken from their home because of abuse, abandonment, violence. These children are removed. And what happens to them? Where do they go? Many are going into foster care. The foster care system here in our county is overloaded. Who is foster care? I did a very basic research and found that there are over 1,800 evangelical churches. If we look at the math on this, for every one child put into foster care last month, there are seven churches. That's seven churches for every child that comes into the system each month, every single month. There are children looking to be placed and there's simply not enough room. There have been stories of kids sleeping in offices. They're being transported out of the area to be placed in group homes because there are no homes. These homes aren't enough. I've told you the numbers today because I want you to imagine something. Imagine just one family from one of those churches opening up their home to just one child. Imagine every time there was a crisis, we could offer them not only a loving, caring home, but a loving, caring Christian home. Imagine Christian homes being ready to receive every single child that comes into care. I would remind you that the book of James says this in chapter 1. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God our Father is this. To visit widows and orphans in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I read this and I asked myself a question. What if? What if we could offer a Christian home 
to every child in need in the Tampa area. All these children came into a gospel-sharing home. Could you imagine? I can. I can. Which is why pastors from around our community. We want to surround a door of hope. Pastors and other churches are gathering around this Christian organization so that we might license more Christian foster homes. The numbers are clear. If every church got involved, we literally can eradicate this situation. The church can eradicate the need for a home. I, I asked you to imagine. I don't want you to imagine. I, I want you today to ask yourself, can I open my home? Can you be part of this practical solution to bring a child into your home? If you really can't open your home to a foster child, could you give so that a door of hope can license and train Christian families to meet the need of these children? Church, we are the body of Christ. We can solve this today. Let's start here. Let's start here. Let's start here. Let's take care of this problem in Tampa Bay. Family, let's start here. Let's start now. I'd like to invite up Don to share with us a little bit more. Did anyone else notice that every pastor seems to wear collared plaid shirts and thick-rimmed glasses? So I put my glasses down before service. So the tragic reality in Hillsborough County is that we have the highest rate of removal in the entire state of Florida. Um, just this past week, there were 25 children removed on Monday alone. Um, the entire week, every day, we had 32 children on the placement list looking for a bed. Um, these were children who were going night to night in different homes um, because we didn't have permanent placement for them. Last night, there was a four-year-old at 11.30 at night that we couldn't find a placement for. Um, and last week, our family had a seven-week-old for about five days um, because that seven-week-old spent the first seven days of her time in foster care going night to night in different homes. Um, so when we look at the number of kids that are coming in, the kids that are looking for beds, the majority of them are actually about t ages 10 and under not the teenagers that um, we might think are going night to night in different placements because they're difficult. It's the little ones because we truly just don't have the beds to, um, to find for these children. Um, the beautiful thing about A Door of Hope, though, is that it's not just a social service organization. It is an organization that sees fostering as a ministry opportunity, an opportunity to share, share the love of Christ, not just with a child that is in foster care, but with the entire family. Um, we know that we can offer all of the drug rehab and all of the parenting classes possible to families, but um, introducing them to Christ, introducing them to um, the love of their father is the thing that can heal these families. Um, there are many ways to get involved. Um, if you can foster, obviously that is amazing, and we would love to see as many homes open as possible uh, to be able to take in these children and work one-on-one -on -one with these families. Um, but if you can't foster, um, financially supporting so that we can help to license homes and coming around foster families either to provide babysitting, um, what we call respite care when you um, can take a foster child in for a couple of days when a foster family is either going out of town or sometimes when that foster family just needs a break um, to reconnect with their family, um, then there's lots of different opportunities uh, that you can help out with the foster families. So if you have any questions, I'm going to be out back um, and I would love to answer them. Would you stand and I will bless you and we'll be on our Sunday way.
You guys, we are God's favorite church this morning because of that story that happened earlier. I'm being sarcastic for those of you who just met me. Um, but uh, I think that it's no accident that the more we press into God's presence, the more we will do God things. The more we press into Christ, the more we will have the look and feel and taste and texture of what Christ had when he was walking this earth. So let's continue to be that. Uh, if, that's, if, you, if you're like, I can never go back there, I cannot do foster care, that's probably God's way of just like itching you and saying, hey, you may as well go talk to the, the lady back at the chalkboard. Because even if you're not getting involved directly, um, find out what you can do if you feel like you want to help in this area. Um, and then also, the boxes are here. And I think if I stacked them up, I would cover my pulpit. And I know I told you they were due today. I want to tell you, this is a little secret. We're actually, because we are the hub, we can bring in boxes through this week. The chapel boxes will only go here. But next week, there's going to be tons of boxes everywhere because other churches will be dropping off their boxes at the chapel to ship off to wherever they're going. So if you did not do an Operation Christmas Child box or don't know what it's about, go back to Linda at the table. She will show you what it's all about, and you can bring it during our drop-off times uh, during the weekdays from 11 to 1 or weekends from 11 to sometime that Miss Linda knows. So let me bless you, and we'll be on our way. May God the Father, who loves you with an everlasting love, be with you. And may Jesus, the true King of glory, be the presence that you draw near to this week in a way that changes your life, that changes your marriages, that changes your workplace, that changes your children, that changes your street, that changes the city. And may the Holy Spirit of God help us to keep our shame at the cross. May the Spirit of God compel us to run to our Father who is there waiting for us with open arms. In Jesus' name, God be with you this week. Amen. Lift up your hands, O ancient doors. This carnal temple now the Lord. Prepare for visitation like you've never seen before. This carnal house of